Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. It is like Christmas in September, or I should say Christmas Eve in September. We are on the eve of having real NFL football games, probably within 48 hours of when you will listen to this podcast. My man, Harley Schultz, joins me, Steve Gallo, as we get you ready for not just regular NFL fantasy this week, but also we're going to go to our normal DFS stuff. Harley, how excited are you? I'm super excited, and... Depending on what the weather is like where you are, our weather here is starting to nip towards fall. So there may be some upper Minnesotans who have chestnuts roasting on open fire tonight. But I will say this at least, either way, I will definitely have some Jack Daniels nipping at my nose. There you go. So it's hard to believe that it's here. We're glad it's here. Um, What we'll be looking at is picking up basically the same format that we've had in the past few years where we will have a topic that we'll usually touch on and then we will transition and do our DFS um, bit where we will give you our payups, our stayaways, and our value plays at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. For any of you that are new to the podcast, Harley and I do not discuss our thoughts on players, prices, etc. prior to recording. So this is live, real time, getting our reactions as to what and how what the other person says um and you know for this week just because it's week one and i think people can you know a lot of people did their drafts this weekend and mostly most everybody's going to be done by now but you got those nerves and all of a sudden you're going to start second guessing yourself so we're going to talk about how to approach setting your week one lineup in non-daily fantasy football and of course we'll have our dfs segment But before any of that can happen, we need to kick it over to Harley for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. All-Pro guard Zach Martin was placed on the COVID IR, and he will miss Thursday's opener against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When Dak Prescott learned of this news, he asked his coach, if the team could kindly bring back either Andy Dalton or Ben DiNucci to start this game because he did not want to be behind the offensive line. (laughs) Rookie Chris Evans beat out Travion Williams for the third running back job in Cincinnati. Now, I'm just guessing here, but considering how weak the Bengals' offensive line is, they obviously are hoping that Evans can use the Captain America shield to fend off putzing defenders. Also, props to Evans for establishing another career following his time spent in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) Early reports are that Evan Ingram of the Giants isn't doing much on the practice field over this last week. What can I say? It's great to see Evan in mid-season form. Punter Johnny Hecker was activated Monday by the Los Angeles Rams after a brief stint on the COVID reserve list. His active presence on Sunday will mean that his former teammate Jared Goff, 
will be my 35th ranked quarterback this week instead of my 34th. <laughs> and finally, it has come out that Tom Brady had COVID in early February of last year. Now, this is only speculation, but there is at least a punter's chance that he contracted it from drinking a booze-lose shot off of the Lombardi Trophy immediately following one taken by Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. Probably not the first thing he could have caught from Gronk. Bump, boom. Exactly. Um, man, talk about a burn for Jared Goff. Give the guy some, I mean, come on. <laughs> Although Hecker does have some skills. Hecker's got a good arm. And, well, Jared Goff actually looked like the worst quarterback between the two of them on a few plays last year. And when you think about it, I mean, Jared Goff, he's got nothing for receivers, and they're facing the San Francisco 49ers, who uh, you could argue may have gotten weaker in their secondary by adding Josh Norman today, but uh, it's still Josh Norman. He's, got, he's not completely lost. True, and it's just depth for the most part, so... Yeah, Detroit's going to be interesting. Uh, we talked, we hit on them, what, last week or the week before, or the week before a little bit. Somebody's got to catch the ball. Somebody's got to throw the ball. But they're not going to light the world on fire. That is for sure. Exactly. But, again, I mean, it, there may be some guys on that team that are worth considering, right? Yeah, I mean, Hawk. And then, hey, you know what? There's not really beyond Hawk and some dart throws people may have may have taken at this point. But. For the most part, you're not going to be diving into the waiver pool before you set your week one lineup. But there are some teams that maybe you've got some players that got hurt after your draft and need to purge them, etc. So before we tell people how they should look at setting their week one lineup, let's talk waivers. Who should people be targeting if they're going to make a waiver run before their week one um, match takes place? Well, since we're talking about the Detroit Lions, like you said, somebody's got to catch the ball there. And realistically, the only veteran that they have on that roster right now to catch the ball after releasing Brashad Perriman is former Los Angeles Charger Tyrell Williams. Now, Tyrell Williams has made a history out of uh, being a second and third receiver, averaging about 650 to 700 receiving yards and five or six touchdowns a year while spending three or four weeks on the IR uh, at random times, probably when you need him the most. So. He's not a guy you're going to be starting any every week by any stretch of the imagination. But currently, he's at about 50% ownership in, mo in most formats right now. So if you need to stretch to pick up someone, like say you lost one of your wide receivers, or uh, he's a guy that could be sitting out there a little bit later. Now, obviously, the big money this week, I think, is going to be spent on uh, the Baltimore backfield. Obviously, Gus Edwards uh, was probably drafted in your draft, uh, so he's not going to be available but there are some players behind him. Uh, well, there were some players behind him. Now there's a player behind him, and that is uh, Mr. Tyson Williams, right? Yes. He's definitely worth an ad as a speculative ad because there's going – look, Gus is not going to be JK, right? He had a role. No. He's going to step up. He's going to take probably a larger portion, of course, of the role, but there's still going to be other guys getting the carries, including a bump for Lamar, but somebody has to, ca has to carry the ball besides him. So Tyson is – absolutely worth an ad and when you look at him there's there's been talk today uh today being monday while we're recording that guys like Le'Veon bell and devonta freeman have come in visited the baltimore ravens about possibilities of, of joining their team too uh obviously you could make a speculative ad for one of those guys but i i think that they saw enough in tyson this preseason 
to put faith in him to take that Justice Hill role behind Gus Edwards, which basically is the Gus Edwards role from last year. Right. And I mean, look, they had Todd Gurley in earlier this year. They decided not to go with with, um, Gurley. So I think that speculative ads with those guys, if you're in a deep, really shark-driven type league, then, yeah, you've got to make those steps a week in advance. But I don't know that you need to make those in most leagues. Well, there's a couple other running backs that uh, could be out there on your waiver wire that may be worth picking up for from a speculative standpoint. Uh, first off, a guy that I was really excited for this year uh, was Wayne Gallman, who had signed with the San Francisco 49ers with the understanding that he might be an understudy for Mr. Raheem Mostert. Uh, unfortunately, they decided to cut Gallman and go with the rookie Troy Sermon as the main backup there. So Gallman was sitting out as a free agent, and now he's signed in an interesting spot in Atlanta where... He only has to beat out Mike Davis for potential carries there. Yeah, I think Davis still winds up being the lead dog, but he will eat into Davis's attempts, I believe, and overall snaps played. So, yeah, Gallman, if you've got issues at running back, you could fare much worse with what you'll possibly see on many waiver wires. And another running back that may get a chance to surpass a former 49er in a lead role, uh, that being Tevin Coleman, is Ty Johnson for the Jets, who's looked very, very good so far this spring. And I know that you can get Ty Johnson late, 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 because I got him in like the last or next to last round in a very deep um, expert league. So he probably would have went undrafted had I not drafted him. So I know he should be available in a good portion of leagues. And it'll be interesting to see, too, because I, I believe in a lot of later drafts, obviously Melvin Carter was taken, and obviously uh, Mr. Kevin Coleman went in some of the later drafts, too, under the basis that he was going to be named the starter. We all know what starter means when you see Tevin Coleman's name next to it. Temporary. I got the air quotes going there. <laughs> yes. So uh, At wide receiver, there's actually a few rookies that may or may not have been drafted that may suddenly have some value. Uh, what, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about say, a Diami Brown in Washington? Um, doesn't do much for me, honestly. Um, I think that, look, Antonio Gibson is going to be wide receiver two or three, basically based off of the amount of targets that he and JD McKissick are going to get, honestly. So it's a Terry McLaurin show. And I believe Curtis Samuel is going to be a solid wide receiver too, but I still think that it's going to be between wide receiver two value overall. It's going to flirt between Samuel and the McKissick Gibson combo together. So I don't know that there's really room for somebody like Diami. Okay, well, we're talking about bad teams, too, now. We're obviously talking about the Lions. We're talking about the Jets. How about a team that's arguably worse than both of them, Houston? you got guys like uh, Anthony Miller, who looked like he was going to be something his rookie year with Chicago. And you've also got the uh, rookie down there, Nico Collins. Either of those two interest you at all as a waiver pickup? Um, Yeah, they actually both do. Collins seemed to go er earlier in most of my leagues where I was willing to take a shot on him for a late-round flyer. Um, I did do that with Anthony Miller in a few leagues, so... Of course, I have to say, yes, I'm on board with if you can add either of those as stashes right now. You've got Tyrod Taylor. You know that he's going to be somewhat at least reliable as a quarterback. He's not going to kill the value there um, like you know some quarterbacks have in the past if you, your name wasn't you know, DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, I, I like adding both, and I know that I believe Anthony Miller is still a little dinged up possibly, um, but if you have deep enough bench that you can stash and wait, I definitely think it's worth it. Well, there's also a couple of uh, other wide receivers who are definitely veteran wide receivers who may be a nice speculative one-week ad, and those being 
Deshaun Jackson and Sammy Watkins, two individuals that are notorious for absolutely blowing the place up week one. Yes, and Sammy's back on the field, and they've got other issues around them. The rookie's out, I believe, on the COVID list, or else he may be tweaked just injury-wise. Um, so you got Marquise Brown and Sammy. They'll be manning you know, the, the wide receiver spots, and probably a big week for you know Mark Andrews. But, yeah, I like Sammy September. September Sammy is a good way to put, call him. And, yeah, get Deshaun in your lineup, especially DFS, if you want to take a run with him um, while he's healthy. Exactly, and unfortunately, you're not going to be able to use Deshaun Jackson in your – Full uh, full set uh, dynasty uh, full set your full set millionaire maker lineups for DFS this week because he is playing in the primetime games. But when you put together your primetime lineups, uh, Deshaun Jackson makes a great play there. And also, I mean, Baltimore is also playing in that primetime slate, so Watkins is another potential option there too. Right uh, at the tight end position, it's a couple of uh, interesting uh, names out there in the under thirty percent owned range. Uh, one being former Jets tight end Chris Herndon, who uh, was traded to the Minnesota Vikings following news that Irv Smith would miss the entire season due to uh, an injury sustained in the preseason. Uh, looking at that situation, Chris Herndon was once thought of as a decent offensive tight end on, on a bad team, albeit with the Jets. Uh, with a decent quarterback and a team that likes to throw the ball to the tight end position, and not a lot of other competition. Is he worth a pickup? Yeah, absolutely. I think you, that you can look for Herndon. When, if you pick him up, you're looking for him to have the same sort of breakout, in a sense, that Irv is going to have. Irv broke out a little more last year than what you would have gotten with, with Herndon. Herndon's always been about his upside, right? Well, the yes. Vikings traded for him now, right? So <coughs> I think that it's absolutely worth an add, especially if you didn't go for the tight end position early and you're looking to stream or find some late-round value. Absolutely you could do worse than adding him off of waivers. I think that season-wise, you're going to see him finish as a top 12 to 15 wide receiver, I mean tight end, so you'll be able to stream him at least. Well, there's one other tight end that I've got on my list, but I'm actually going to save this particular tight end to talk about a little bit later in the show today. So Okay. Anyone else that you want to talk about? No quarterbacks, right? I don't think there's a quarterback out there that wasn't drafted. And again, think about from your league standpoint. If you're in a super flex league, all of the starting quarterbacks were drafted and all of the rookie quarterbacks were drafted, with the exceptions of maybe Davis Mills and Kellen Mond, neither of whom are expected to start. Now, if by chance your league drafted early enough that Mac Jones wasn't drafted, I could see going for him. Or, or maybe you were in a league that... Uh, didn't take uh, Mr. Wilson because they were concerned about the Jets offense and what he would be able to do. Maybe consider him, but e even the backups like Justin Fields and Trey Lance probably were taken in your league. Yep. Uh, the only quarterback that might be on the waiver wire worth a speculative ad is Gardner Minshew, since we have to assume that the leash will be short with Jalen Hurts. I don't assume that, honestly. Um, I really don't. So, what you have to be concerned with with Hurts and any quarterback that runs the ball, honestly, is are they going to take themselves out of games because they get hurt? Okay, they just they make, they're more they wind up being quote unquote more fragile like a running back does in fantasy than a genuine pocket passer. And maybe I don't have the stuff that will support that from a um, data standpoint, but at least I believe that's safe to say. The more you run, the more you can get hit, the more that things can happen bad outside of that pocket. Yes, I know Tom Brady was lost for a season standing in the pocket. It's happened to other quarterbacks, but that'd be my biggest concern. I don't think he needs to be a speculative ad, though. Yeah, and when you look at the rest of the number two quarterbacks in the league, 
there's not a lot of number two quarterbacks that are going to step in and be dynamically fancy relevant other than some of the rookies that will yeah, or sure. that are guaranteed to eventually take over, Justin such as Field. Lance taking over for Garoppolo and uh, Fields taking over for Andy Dalton eventually. Yep. All right. So let's get into it real quick and talk about let's help people understand how do you set your week one lineup? So I'll ask you, what do you do? And let's here. Let's uh, let, me, cl- let me set the, let me set the <laughs> table a little bit because there's a wide range of different types of leagues that we're in. Let's figure that it's a normal PPR league. Start one quarterback, two running backs, two to three wide receivers, one tight end, maybe a flex. Forget about punt, pick, um, place kickers and defenses. Well, I think that you're you, you drafted at your draft or you purchased at auction. X number of starting level players. Now, you may have gone heavy at the running back position early. Like, say your first two picks were running backs, and, and you may have chosen to follow a strategy of, I'm going to punt the quarterback position, in which case maybe you took two quarterbacks in, say, rounds 10 and 11 or so. Now, in that case, you can have a decision based on matchup which of those two quarterbacks to go with. But what you have to realize is that the players that you originally drafted as your quote-unquote starters are the ones that you should probably roll with week one. Now, obviously, there are going to be a couple of exceptions. We'll talk about a couple of them when we get into the DFS segment in terms of guys who don't have great matchups, but were probably drafted as starters. But nevertheless, you're not going to bench players that are clear start like clear wide receiver ones. You're not benching a wide receiver one for a speculative wide receiver three week one. You're not benching your running back one for your running back four week one just because that guy happens to be facing a weaker defense. Your first week, as far as your running back one, your running back two, your wide receiver one, your wide receiver two, and your tight end one, those five positions should pretty much be the five players that you drafted to be the starters there. I agree. And I think that the easiest way to put this in words is don't overthink it or don't tinker in week one. And here's what I'll tell you. So you're sitting there going, I really want to play Rondale Moore in my flex spot or in my third wide receiver spot. No, don't do it. Guess what? That's what DFS is for. You really feel strongly about somebody that you, you're like, I really think I should tinker, and maybe I should put such and such in over Curtis Samuel as my wide receiver three, right? Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Go to DFS and make a lineup with those kind of players in it, and then that way you're hedging yourself if you feel that way. But in week one, non-DFS, there's no need to tinker. And when it comes to the quarterback position, I try to ste- look at the totals for the games, okay? So if you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know which of these two quarterbacks to play, I look at the one that has the higher total, game total. That means it should be a higher scoring game. So therefore, my quarterbacks will probably throw for more yards in that game and more touchdowns, etc. I also will look to default to, if I feel evenly on somebody, I'll probably default to the home quarterback, right? Um, Or if I've got a quarterback that I think is in a trash matchup, just because I think that they're playing a team that's going to put up a ton of points, then I might default there because I think there's a lot of garbage time that could be had. So there's different. Uh, One other thing that I need to reiterate to all of our listeners too, and this doesn't go just for week one. This actually goes for all season long, and it also goes for DFS if you play in the 
uh, full week slates that cover from Thursday to Monday. If you've got players going in the Thursday night game, like let, let's say uh, you've got Antonio Brown, who's basically like your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, and you're looking at him and he's playing in that Thursday night game. Don't put Antonio Brown into your flex spot. No. Put him into one of your wide receiver spots. Leave your flex spots. Yeah, leave your flex spots. Leave your flex spots open for the later possible games on the schedule because in case something happens, especially in the time and day that we are with COVID and stuff, yes, someone could come down with a last minute injury, and you don't want that flex slot locked up in that situation because maybe just maybe you might have to start your running back four instead of uh, whomever you would have had in that spot originally. And now all of a sudden you have to start your wide receiver five or wide receiver six instead. Yep. Or you just may not have anybody left possibly. That's just depending on how you drafted or somebody else got hurt or something like that. Absolutely. You need to always leave your flex spot for as late in the week starters, for the week starters as possible. So Monday night games, if you can leave it to that, then you do it. If not, it's Sunday afternoon games. You just you have to, to give yourself that flexibility. Absolutely smart and and that goes in in regular season as well as daily fantasy. Very important thing to keep in mind. Again, if you set a lineup that involves Thursday players in whatever format you're in, put those players into their base slots. Do not put them in your flex spot uh, unless you happen to have like a lineup where you can only start two wide receivers and you happen to have C.D. Lamb and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Then maybe you have to put one of them in a flex spot. Right. And I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of Thursday players a lot of times. Um, week one is not one of those weeks. Everybody's ready. ready. They're rested. They're ready, they're ready to go. As the season progresses, I don't like Thursday players as much because there's less rest. And they, I don't know, it just to me, it seems like that the Thursday games have not produced as many fantasy points as you would normally expect. Now that said, this Thursday's game could be pretty interesting with two uh, higher octane offenses going at it. Will be very interesting to see how that missing offensive lineman f- impacts Dak and that um, Cowboys offense. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Dak impacts that Cowboys offense. Very true. Very true. All right. Um, any other little tips or hints that we should give people about Week One setting of lineups? Hey, here's one. No, I- don't hold on. Here's one. This is really important. Okay, I want everybody to really pay attention. Lean in. Grab your pen. You're going to want to write this down. Don't forget to set a lineup. <laughs> Don't be that guy. It happens. I mean, we get busy. You're like, oh, my, wait. Oh, wait. That league. I forgot. That's not best ball. I got to set a lineup. <laughs> and then I'll leave you with this. Here's the thing. You know, here's, here's the thing, folks. You, you, in most leagues, and, and not all leagues, but in most leagues, we have some sort of financial or psychological investment in the league. And... You're ultimately, if, if you don't care to manage your team, that is kind of your personal choice. But don't be that guy. Particularly don't be that guy week one. You, you took the time to draft your team. Yep. You, you took the time to sit down with your friends. You, you took the time to write out a check for some dollar amount or, or, or give money to some charitable organization in the name of your league. Don't be the guy week one that forgets to set his lineup. Come on. Yes. And you know what else? Make sure you subscribe to the huddle.com so that you can find out all the late scratches and who's looking to have good weeks and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And of course, check with us on Twitter and 
we'll make sure people know about those players too on Sunday morning. Absolutely. Okay, so there it is. Do not overthink week one. Make sure you set a lineup and leave your flex spot for as late as possible. A, B, and C, one, two, three. That seems like the best advice we can give. Exactly. Tinker toys are good for now Christmas. How about some advice don't, on don't, making some money? I was going to say, Tinker toys are good for Christmas. Don't tinker with your fantasy week one lineups. And yes, now, now we can tinker, okay? This is where you tinker. It's in DFS. So let's get to tinkering with our dose of pay up, stay away, and value plays for the week one of the 2021 COVID NFL season. Now, typically we like to decide on a number right here. Yes, for those that are new and also returning, Harley will <coughs> set an over-under for what we will agree on, have matches. I'll say if it's going to be over or under that number. And again, we have not discussed these. We don't know what the other person's thinking about any of the prices or anything like that. So for week one, set it, Harley. Ooh, this is going to be a tough one because there's a lot more players with no bye weeks this week. I am going to say the the number is four this week. Uh, I was thinking if he says three, I'm going over. Four is going to be tough. Four means we need five out of 12. So almost 50%. <sighs> I'm going to take the over. Okay. Go ahead and start us off. Who are you paying up for in week one in fantasy for DFS? Okay, well, we're going to start at the quarterback position. I know you like to wait to sign your quarterbacks until the end of your draft, but when you sit in your lineup in DFS, I like to decide on my quarterback first. Now, there's a lot of decent-priced quarterbacks this week that you could consider taking. So I'm not going to pay up super high for quarterback this week. So I think there's some decent uh, upper mid-level buys this week. And one of those guys who is in the top 10 in terms of price on DraftKings and in the top 10 on price on FanDuel is Ryan Tannehill. He's my guy I'm going to pay up for at 6,500 on DraftKings, 7,700 on FanDuel. He's a little cheaper than some of those higher price guys, but he still is in the top 10. Here's the thing. I like both Tannehill and Kyler Murray in their contest. This is going to be a shootout. It's got a very high projected point total. It comes down to Tannehill being nearly $1,000 cheaper on both sites. So even though this is a pay-to-play, there's still something that says you can pay-to-play and save. Plus, over the last three seasons, Tannehill has thrown for twice as many touchdowns at home than on the road. Like you were saying, you, you like to favor those quarterbacks in their home games. This is a great example of a situation. Tannehill's a guy who performs better at home than on the road. So this is one of those spots where we don't have written rules for what is truly a pay-up or a value play. And this is where I think Harley is. He's bridging the truth, blurring the line a little <laughs> bit, honestly. Um, but I really thought we were possibly going to have a match here. I applied some of the same logic. I like some of those top-priced quarterbacks, so when that happens, I'm not going to pay up for the most expensive one, okay? Exactly. But I still thought Kyler was a good 
discount in a sense. So I'm <laughs> he paying is a good up, discount, yes. So I'm paying up for <laughs> Kyler Murray at 7600 8, on DraftKings and FanDuel. And a lot of it has to do with those legs and what he can do with those legs in addition to his arm. I, I have nothing wrong with that. I, I do like him a lot in that game. So, And I think the Titans, people I believe may have the preconceived notion that their defense is super stout and solid. I'm not 100% sold on that secondary. Okay. So who are you going to stay away from? I'm going to stay away from Josh Allen facing Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh was one of the absolute best against the pass last season. They allowed the second fewest passing yards and the ninth fewest passing touchdowns. Now, Allen has faced Pittsburgh only twice in his career. I, I would have expected at least a couple more times that. But in his two games against Pittsburgh, he's averaged only 19 completions for 189 yards and one and a half touchdowns per game through the air. And you know, well, Josh Allen does some stuff on the ground too. Yep. Uh, in the two games on uh, against him on the ground, he's averaged only 28 yards and half a touchdown. So he, he's he's going to give you two touchdowns, probably a combined 220 yards. But how are you going to pay 7,400 or 8,100 for him and get that production? We're not, and neither am I. We have our first match of the year. Um, so, yes, uh, for all the same reasons you stated, he has a couple good things going for him. The fact that he is playing at home and the fact that, yeah, he could throw for 220 and he could still throw for one or two touchdowns and he may only run for 15 to 25 yards, but he could still net two short touchdowns possibly. But I'm not paying up for possibly could have. Look, I don't think the Steelers are going to be a great team this year, but their defense is still formidable enough that I do believe that I'm going to steer clear of them this week with Josh Allen at that price. They've got some good cornerbacks there and, and a really good safety too in uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Absolutely. All right, so I thought there were some uh, good values here. Who are you paying up? Who are you going to tab as your value play this week? There were actually quite a few value plays I liked this week, but the guy I'm going to go with is Sam Darnold facing his former team. You get a revenge game right out of the shoot for Sam Darnold. He's got way more weapons than he ever had with the Jets. I, the price is so gorgeous. If you're doing a two-quarterback DFS format like on fanball.com, I absolutely adore Sam Darnold as my quarterback, too, in that format. But even if you just want to punt position, save some money, uh, you can for 5000 on drafting, 6500 on FanDuel. That is way below those top-priced quarterbacks. And then you can have some fun tinkering with the rest of your lineup. So the first person I wrote down as my value play was Sam Darnold. And then you know what I did? I said, what, am I crazy? Nah, can't be Sam Darnold. So I started looking. And I write down Tyrod Taylor. Sneaky. Tyrod's the starter. 5300 bucks, 68 I think that they're going to have be some points in that game. He may add some stuff with his legs. And I was like, wait a minute. Jameis Winston's only 5267 even <laughs> cheaper. And then as I'm looking down at Jameis, I see Sam Darnold again. I circled all the way back. We have another match. I went with Darnold also. I don't think he's going to have very high ownership. Um, he has some tools. Christian McCaffrey's going to take a bunch of dump-offs from him. And, you know, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, I think, could eat also. So, yes, I like Darnold this week. And I think we'll see his price slowly rise. I, I like both the receivers. I like McCaffrey. I even like Terrace Marshall this week, too. So I think there's going to be some points scored. 
Uh, he's definitely my value play. Although I will say this, I also looked at Jameis Winston, uh, and I started to think about him for a bit, and I thought, well, that's probably going to be a shootout with Green Bay and New Orleans. Right. But then I thought to myself, well, it, it could be, but he still doesn't have a ton of confidence in his receiving core. Yeah. It doesn't sound like Jair Alexander is going to miss this game. There was talk earlier that he might still be a little questionable. But if Jair plays, whoever is the starting wide receiver this week for New Orleans, that the main guy it might be like uh, Marquez Callaway or Traquan Smith, one of those two guys is going to be shadowed by Jair, and so I, I like Jameis's price, but I, did, I felt like Darnold was just a, a safer play this week. I don't disagree with you at all. It's like I looked at Winston. I'm like, okay, he's at home. He's in the Dome. I think Green Bay is going to put some points up. going to be garbage time. I like Marquez, Marquez Callaway as a sleeper because Thomas is out, but do I really want to trust that? That's the reason I go to him over somebody that's got some true studs that he can run to. I think Alvin Kamara is going to have a massive day. But that doesn't mean that Jameis will have a translate. And I just think that there's more risk, like, for the reasons that you said. So that's why I wound up going back to Darnold. How about at running back position? Who are you paying up for? Just mentioned him. I'm going to pay up for Alvin Kamara this week. Um, yeah, you can make the argument for Christian McCaffrey. He's healthy and see what he can do. I figured I just was going to save a little bit of money, almost $1,000 on DraftKings and almost 2000 on FanDuel. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Kamara's going to be involved. It's not like, okay, Green Bay's going to get out to a huge lead, and then they're going to shut down the running game. Kamara's going to be involved no matter what. You know, I looked heavily at Elvin Kamara, and I thought to myself, like, everything that's popping in my head was Green Bay is rotten against the run. Green Bay is rotten against the run. And then I realized about two-thirds of the way through the season last year, Green Bay suddenly got functional against the run. And I, I don't know what they did. Uh, you're more a defensive-minded player than I am, so you might know more about the, the health of their linebacker core midway through the season. But it, they went from being abysmal against the run early in the year to actually decent in the second, later than the second half, like the second, the second third, the, the third third of the season. Yeah. So I was like, I like Kamara, but I'm going to pay up just a tad bit more than Kamara. I'm going to take Delvin Cook. At Cincinnati, uh, with Justin Jefferson potentially less than 100% with his shoulder injury, no Irv Smith. Chris Herndon just arrived on Friday. He's actually going through some COVID protocols. He hasn't even reported to the, the team uh, practice facility yet. Uh, Tyler Conklin missed the entire preseason with injury. Uh, he's going to try to give it a go in week one. Delvin Cook is going to be the number two pass catching option for Minnesota this week. Now, when you look at Cincinnati, they have definitely improved their rushing defense from last year. Well, last year, they averaged the league worst, a league fourth worst 148 running yards per game, but they've added a lot of players. Unfortunately, a lot of the players that they've added are currently on the injured list. <laughs> yeah. So I looked at Cook. We don't, we don't match there, of course. I did look at Cook, and I looked really hard at him. Um, for the reasons that you said, you know, Green Bay's run defense did improve. I do believe Green Bay is going to win that game going away. Okay? So especially in the second half, there's still going to be a lot of stuff that Green Bay wants to just keep in front of them where Kamara is going to do a lot of damage underneath um, short passes. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he catches 8 to 12 balls. Exactly. 8 to 12 balls, 70 yards, minimal, get one touchdown. He's paying for himself. All you got to do is look at what Kamara did when Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback a couple years ago there. 
kind of get a feel for what to kind of expect from him. Yep. Now, and again, Jameis Winston is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater, but both Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater are better quarterbacks than Taysom Hill. So we don't have to worry nearly as much about Taysom Hill other than inside the five-yard line where, for some reason or other, they like to put him in there and let him try to run the ball in. Yeah. All right, so who are you going to stay away from? I kind of took the easy way out on this one a little bit. I went with Saquon Barkley, Giants versus Denver. It'd really be kind of nice if either of the sites gave us a sizable discount on Saquon coming off of his injury. Uh, All signs point to him actually playing, but not playing all of the game. The Broncos were middle of the pack against the run last season, but much like the other teams we've already talked about, they also improved their run defense this year, both through free agency and the draft. So it just makes the price even less tenable. Uh, 7,800 on DraftKings, 8,500 on FanDuel. There's no way in hell you can start him at 8,500 on FanDuel. So we match. Um, I thought it was relatively easy to pick him. I didn't look at it as, as a cop-out. Maybe that's because I own him so much in non-DFS leagues because I do think he's going to have a solid season. Uh, but there is a chance he's on a pretty good pitch count. I also don't like him going up against that Denver defense. Evan Ingram's likely not playing. Granted, you go, well, that's another mouth that he doesn't have to worry about, but it's also a mouth that can help stretch and make room and stuff like that, right? Um, yes. And this is where I'm not tinkering. He's starting in my lineups where I drafted him, okay? But I don't have to play him in fantasy, so I'm not playing him this week. That gives us that goes back. That goes back to our talk from earlier. Again, he was drafted as your running back one or running back two. Yep. So he's going to be in your lineup this week from a regular redraft or dynasty or empire type format, but you don't have to play him on DFS at these prices. You shouldn't play him on DFS. Absolutely. And I don't, and I don't think it was a cop out, honestly, by you saying him, it's not like saying I'm going to not pay up for, I'm staying away from Michael <coughs> Thomas because we know he's out for six weeks and he's got a price. <laughs> so who's your value play? This is going to be interesting. Cause I had a couple guys I really liked. Yeah. I, I really thought long and hard about this. And there was one player in particular that I wanted to say is my value play because he's ridiculously cheap. But I think he's going to be so over-owned this week. And that player is Trey Sermon. So what I did is I chose as my value play Raheem Mostert, who is also relatively cheaply priced at 5,800 on DraftKings and 6,100 on FanDuel. Uh, Either way, assuming they both play, early on in the season, we're talking about Mike Shanahan here. We're going to see more of the veteran and less of the rookie. You know, Sermon's salary is so low, like I said, he, he's, a lot of people are just going to be playing him as their running back too and hoping to catch lightning in a bottle. But at this price against the Detroit defense that allowed a league-worst 29 total running back touchdowns last year, you can't sell Mostert short. It's not like Mostert suddenly lost his talent. It's not like San Francisco suddenly lost their offensive line. And it's not like Detroit improved their defensive line outside of Michael Brockers, who may not even play in this game. I, I go with the safe play here and, and go with Mostert and watch everyone else play Trey Sermon and hope that we don't see lightning in the bottle week one. So, yeah, I can't say I disagree with that play. There's a guy very, very close in price, at least on DraftKings, to Mostert that I looked at long and hard um and i can't say i wouldn't recommend playing him i'm just not listing him as my value play but i looked long and hard at antonio gibson at 5900 dollars. at the end of the day i thought that was kind of still pushing it where it wasn't really that good a value but that's where they okay let's say they score 
three times value. You're talking 18 points, but I think he's going to go for 25. I'm going to say, well, that's a value, so I'm going to play him. That's how we get around that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I went with a rookie, but his name's not Trey Sermon. Um, he's actually priced less than Trey Sermon. I went with Javante Williams. No, no fear at all that Melvin Gordon's going to have a role week one. Sure, he can have a role. But so, <laughs> but so will Williams against the Giants. That's true. You're facing the Giants, and it's going to be it's all a leaning, leaning on the backfield type of game because it's still Teddy Bridgewater, a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and it's on the road. I understand that. But, I mean, come on, four grand, 5,600. That gives you the ability to put some other stuff in your lineup. Supplement that with some nicer wide receivers or, or even a better wide running back um, in your you know running back two spot or something. Um, it's risky. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that this game is on the road. Uh, normally, we don't overreact to weather issues in September. Right. But with uh, now you're you're up in the uh, in the Northeast, right? Uh, more in the South now in Virginia, but yeah, I know what you mean. But with the threat of hurricanes and tropical storms, does that come into play at all with a game, say, for the Giants or a game in Carolina Yes. this week? Any worries for that? Yeah, you, you would want to keep an eye on. Look, rain doesn't do it as much as wind. Wind is what you really have to watch for, um, in my mind. And when you're talking about that game in particular, Denver and the Giants, you, you've got two so-so quarterbacks in terms of arm strength, so you might see even more leaning on the running backs if yes. there are weather conditions. Yep. I just looked. Javante Williams was everybody's favorite or one of their favorite earlier um, rookies to take in the running back position. I thought he was going a little too early for my taste in, in drafts, and I was usually already good at running back, so I was looking at wide receivers during his range, but I, I can't. I, when I saw him at four grand, I thought he was severely underpriced. He is underpriced, and that is the victimship of DraftKings and FanDuel both releasing their prices I mean, okay. a uh, couple months ago. Look, let's just, <laughs> let's just use this one real quick. I don't care if you released your pricing two years ago. Zach Moss facing Pittsburgh, he's $4,600 and $5,400. <laughs> I liked Zach Moss. I tried to target him in drafts, but I'm not paying 4600 against Pittsburgh. One, I don't know the split. I think he's going to lead the, lead the backfield and carries, but even if he is... 4,600 versus Pittsburgh versus I get Javante Williams for a $600 discount. I mean, yeah, I get it. I understand why they're doing, why the prices were preset and how it can impact it. But to me, it just seems like a complete oversight with how they have him priced. Exactly. And uh, to that degree, though, we also have to worry about over-ownership there, too. Po- yes, very possible. I will not be shocked if he's severely owned. Well, it's always hard to match on value running back, quite honestly, especially when you don't have anybody on a buy. So can we get two more matches between three wide receivers and three tight ends? We will see. Who are I think we get it right here. Who are you paying up for at the tight at the wide receiver position? Well, let me suggest to people an interesting strategy to consider when you build your daily fantasy lineups. One way to be very, very successful is to choose your quarterback and stack him with either his top receiver, his second receiver, or his tight end, and then also restack against him with the top wide receiver from the other team. So since I chose to go with Ryan Tannehill as my quarterback, knowing that I think Kyler Murray is also a very good play, I'm going to stack Ryan Tannehill with someone that we'll talk about later perhaps, but... I'm also reverse stacking DeAndre Hopkins at 7,800 and 8,200, who is my pay-to-play this week. 
in a contest that I think is going to be very, very high scoring. I can't say I don't love it, but I have reasons why I can't make DeAndre my pay up. And we'll just have to talk about that later. That's what I'll say. I'm going with a guy at my pay up. And you know I don't like to pay up top dollar, but I'm paying up for Devontae Adams. I believe Adams and Rodgers are going to eat this year. Eat. Um, Adams will regularly approach 9 to 10 grand, I think, as the season starts progressing. Seriously. Um, I think he's going to be severe, he's severely underpriced to 83 and $8,600 as we compare it to what we could expect to get from him. 150, what? I'll say 10 catches, 150 yards, and three touchdowns. How's that sound? You're really discounting Marshawn Lattimore's coverage, huh? I am counting on that big-ass chip on his <laughs> and Rogers' shoulders. Well, I know we talked about this all preseason. I agree that Devontae Adams <coughs> and Aaron Rodgers are going to have chips on their shoulder, perhaps even more so now that they're talking about signing defensive players before offering extension to Devontae Adams. So he's going to be just as pissed off, I think. But And? Yeah, and I'm his price this. is low. His pri- at eighty three hundred. You're right. His price is below where it's going to be most of the season. I just I, I don't love the matchup. So here's the thing. I also want to say that because of the matchup that you think with Mar- Marshawn Lattimore, and the fact that he's a top priced wide receiver means his ownership level is probably going to be lower than yes. what you would normally expect. That all factored into it for me. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree. And again, you'll notice that I didn't choose AJ Brown as my yeah. As my stack with uh, Mr. Uh, <laughs> with Tannehill because I, I really like his tight end matchup this week. Uh, he's not going to be my value play at tight end, but I, I will give that as a alternate option if you want to do a stack. Consider stacking Tannehill and the tight end Anthony Ferks or two. Okay, who are you staying away? I thought this one was really easy. Who are you staying away from at the wide receiver position? Well, I, I told you I'm staying away from Josh Allen, so I'm going to stay away from his top receiver, Stephon Diggs, this week, 7,600, 7,900. Again, the price isn't horrible for a number one receiver. And Diggs was one of a very, very slim few wide receiver ones that posted a big line against Pittsburgh last season. But with Cam Sutton there, Joe Hayden, and Minka Fitzpatrick in coverage, that's going to be kind of a potentially rocky slope for him. Uh, the team has said they're going to concentrate a little bit more on the running game this year. Uh, They have other receivers there now. Gabriel Davis is in his second or third season. Emmanuel Sanders is there now. Uh, Cole Beasley hopefully will play. Uh, It's just, I don't see Stefan Diggs having back-to-back huge games against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm worried about the matchup, honestly. So I went with Diggs. We have a match. Um, The only player that I thought could have possibly gotten in the way of us matching, honestly, was Justin Jefferson. Yeah, and again, I think Justin Jefferson has a great matchup this week. Cincinnati will be without Trey Waynes, the former Viking at cornerback. Uh, but it, I, I didn't want to take that route because yep. I know Jefferson's dealing with the shoulder. He's going to play. Yep. I just don't think he's going to be a full go in the game. So right. That's why I said I thought that if there was anybody that could possibly make <laughs> us not match, I thought that Diggs stood out very easily to say, of these top wide receivers, he's the guy I've got to avoid here. And that's no, that's no slander towards Diggs. Not saying he couldn't have a great week. It's just not one I'm willing to bet on. Again, uh, Diggs, had, Diggs had a phenomenal week against Pittsburgh last year. No one else did. There were literally like two wide receiver ones last season that had ridiculously good lines against Pittsburgh. Diggs was one of them. I don't see it happening twice. Yeah. 
Just the odds aren't there. Who are you going? And we're not going to match here. I'll be honest with you. I know right now we are not going to match at value play at wide receiver. We can't. Go ahead. Who are you, who are you paying? It, it's virtually impossible. Well, yeah. uh, my value play this week is Devonta Smith for Philadelphia going against Atlanta. Atlanta allowed the most receiving yards and the second most receptions to the wide receiver position last season. And now Devonta kind of takes over as the wide receiver one of the Eagles. And he has a similar speed blend as former Eagle Deshaun Jackson. And we talked a little bit about this earlier. Deshaun Jackson always went ham week one. This might be the week that Devonta Smith does the Deshaun Jackson. You know, I can't disagree with it. It's a great play. Um, he's priced the same as freaking Christian Kirk. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, he is. He's yep. almost the same price. He is the same price, basically, as Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne or Cole Beasley. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great play. I also looked at Corey Davis. A little bit more money, but still in that same realm of pretty good value. And I think that Davis is going to be at a lot of lineups going forward. Uh, but I really went cheap. Cheap, 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 cheap. And remember I said I couldn't go with DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> That's because I was targeting <coughs> Rondale Moore as my value play. $3,000 on DraftKings. Repeat. Nothing that. wrong with stacking, again, your quarterback with your wide receiver, in this case, wide receiver three. Yep. But again, at $3,000, that gives you a lot of play at the running back position. It allows you to pay for one of those expensive tight ends, which is always kind of nice. In that same price range, a couple other players to consider. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Terrace Marshall possibly uh, getting some run yep. uh, as the wide receiver three in Carolina if, if we expect that game to get be a little high scoring. And also, uh, Elijah Moore possibly with Jets Carolina game this week. Uh, I believe as of this morning, Jamison Crowder is still on the COVID list. If my, uh, if my notes were correct on that. I do not recall, honestly. It's not something I checked yet. I guess I have too many shares of Jamison Crowder on my roster this year. So I have one, I have one <laughs> share, and I think that in that league, that's my dollar, you know, one dollar, one buck chuck league, where I spent like 186 of a $200 budget on four players. So I think I have to start him even if he is on COVID list. But, yeah, if he doesn't play, Elijah becomes an interesting option there. Hey, here you go. Ready? Rondale Moore is the same price on DraftKings as Enkio Harry, and he's $100 cheaper on FanDuel. <laughs> I, I should probably take Enkio Harry off the list here. <laughs> Just saying. So, you know. So, anyway, so that's my swing for the fences. I don't think he'll have high ownership. But he's got just as much upside as anybody else that you could throw into that, into that cheap, you know, wide receiver, your last wide receiver flex spot, to get some other big price guys in. Exactly. All right, we need a we need a match at the tight end spot, one of these three spots to hit the over. No pressure. Well, I think we we might match right away on pick number one. I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey uh, facing Cleveland. Cleveland wasn't great against tight ends last year. It really seems like they haven't been great against tight ends at all in the last decade. I, 2018, I think, was the only time this past decade that I remember them being strong against tight ends. But just like everyone else that faced Travis Kelsey last year, Travis Kelsey got 100 receiving yards on them in the playoffs. Uh, that game was only the third time. Now, this is kind of interesting. Again, 
same conference, but Kelsey has only faced Cleveland three times in his career. In those three games, he scored four touchdowns. Now, I'm not saying Travis Kelsey is going to score a touchdown this week. I'm saying Travis Kelsey is going to score two touchdowns this week, and he will get 100 receiving yards again. So, we do not have a match. Um, believe it or not, I could easily see that game being extremely high scoring or even low scoring. Do I think Kelsey gets his? I do. Is he in his own stratosphere? So technically he's the only person that you could pay up for. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, there are three tiers. There's the Kelsey tier, the Kittle tier, and then the everybody else tier, honestly. Yeah. Yes. Um, but the guy I'm going to pay up for is Kittle. He's healthy. He is on the road. But he's playing the Lions. You know, I, I really thought about Kittle, and I, I like the fact that we talked about it earlier with maybe paying down a little bit while still yeah. paying up. I mean, he's $2,000 cheaper than Kelsey on DraftKings, 1500 cheaper on FanDuel. So if you want to save a little money and still love exposure to that top tight end, Kittle is certainly an option. My biggest concern was that between Sermon and Mostert, San Francisco would just run for 400 yards against Detroit. So that's always a possibility. But you know what? Kittle went healthy. He's going. He he eats, and I think we see him eat week one. It's absolutely possible. And again, get him in there before he gets hurt, because yeah. inevitably he will get hurt. Seven one twenty and two. Not a not out of the realm of possibility. At a cheaper price. Um, all right. Let's see if we can get our stay away. I think there's a chance. I think there's a, a better than average chance that we match at the stay away. Well, when you talked about it, you said there's the three tiers. You've got the Kelsey tier. Uh, I would suggest that when he plays in the main slate, Darren Waller's kind of in that same range. Yes, I was talking you, about you this your, week. You've got George Kittle's tier this week, and then you've got the rest tier this year, this week. Uh, I'm taking the highest-priced player among the rest, and that's TJ Hawkinson as my stay away. Uh, no team allowed fewer receptions or receiving yards to opposing tight ends last season than San Francisco. Now, yeah, you can say that TJ Hawkinson is the only reliable receiver on his team not named Tyrell Williams, and you can argue that Tyrell Williams isn't exactly a reliable receiver either. And we know the Lions will be playing from behind, so Hawkinson will probably be targeted 15 to 20 times. But I would really feel better waiting a week before just feeling comfortable playing TJ Hawkinson and expecting him to do good. I mean... San Francisco could put their top corner back on TJ Hawkinson and, and put uh, Josh Norman on Tyrell Williams. Yeah, I mean, here's how I look at it. And I guess I probably should have looked at it a little more like you did, but I can see a reason not to play Hawkinson this week. I can see a reason not to play Goddard this week. I can see that I don't want to play Hunter Henry this week. I can say, oh, I, Logan Thomas, not bad. I can, might, be, might be able to sneak, sneak Logan Thomas in. Oh, Kyle Pitts. I might be able to sneak Kyle Pitts in. Um, honestly, the one that jumped out at me in the top five is Dallas Goddard. He's only $100 off of Hawkinson, and we truly don't know how the split in Philly is going to be. So Goddard, I absolutely agree. And again, I thought his price was way too high as well. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I didn't choose him was because Atlanta's actually was pretty horrible against tight ends last year. So I know. whichever one, Goddard or Ertz, is the primary receiving option there, might actually have a pretty good game. Yeah, possible. I mean, but you can get, first of all, Philly's not been the greatest at stopping any passing games, it seems like, for ages. Um, and you're going to get Kyle Pitts this week, um, probably lined up against poor linebackers or bad slot corners. Um 
think either he, way, that's a mismatch. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a better value than Goddard is. So I really like. I get the Hawkinson thing, but I really thought with Goddard sitting there, I mean, it, it's almost like he's got a flashing Kmart blue light special flashing around him, saying "Stay away." Um, I'm not saying he can't perform. I just think that week one or two, week three, it's going to be hard to see what the sea legs say with how and who you're going to be able to rely on at the tight end position since they never did deal Ertz. Well, here's a question, too, uh, seeing as how they didn't deal Ertz. Do we see Philadelphia showcase Ertz the first couple weeks this season with the assumption or intention that they might trade him before the deadline? Maybe. And if somebody gets hurt, he'd be an easy target, right? So Yes, um, so I guess conversely, you could say, yeah, we don't want to get him in too involved. Maybe somebody gets hurt first week or two, then we can easily trade him. But, all right, this comes down to one spot now, and it's always the hard one. It's the value play. And you <laughs> like to go to, you know, guys nobody's ever heard of because you're the tight end whisperer. You're probably going to pull out a Donald Parham Jr. or Mo Alley Cox or Pat Freemuth or something like that. Um, but go ahead and tell me, who is your value play this week? Well, as I said, I, I considered Anthony Ferkser, who I am going to stack with Tannehill on some lineups. His price is really good. And although Arizona definitely improved against the tight end last year, they're historically bad over the last decade against the position. So if you decide to go that route, I have no problem with that. Uh, I like Dawson Knox going against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's weakness last year was against the tight end position, but he isn't the guy I went with. I like Gerald Everett in his first game with Seattle against an Indianapolis team, again, that is very strong on defense, but can be beaten by tight ends. But ultimately, I went for a guy who was the second lowest price on DraftKings. Uh, he's got the second lowest price, I'm sorry, third lowest price among tight ends on FanDuel right now that we're expecting to play, and that's Dan Arnold, the Jets, I'm sorry, Carolina against the Jets. Now, no team was worse last year at covering tight ends than the Jets. They didn't address their secondary at all this offseason until the fifth round of the draft. Uh, Dan Arnold started to blossom last season, but the only thing that might hold him back this week is the sheer volume of weapons surrounding him there. I mean, we already talked about uh, Darnold as a, a great uh, sleeper play at quarterback position, and obviously so you've got DJ Moore. You've got Robbie Anderson, who Darnold has experience with from up in New York. You've got the rookie Terrace Marshall. You've got Christian McCaffrey. So a lot of mouths to feed. But you just know that everyone in Carolina wants to hear the announcer say, Arnold touchdown pass from Darnold at some point this week. So I don't know Dan Arnold is a nice sleeper play this week. You know, I always have tried to look at Arizona tight ends and can never find anybody. I know that's where Dan came from, Arizona, right? Yep. And now that he's with Darnold, Arnold didn't light my fire. Um, I probably paid up more, much more than what you would have. So I knew that matching was really not something that was likely to happen. I love Jared Cook. I love Jared Cook this year in normal fantasy. I, I still, even at $3,800, I think that he saves you enough money at the tight end position versus the dart throws that a lot of the guys that are cheaper than him are. Right? You're not guaranteed that you're going to get a lot of that production. You're hoping you do from your Parms and your Ferksers and, and your Knoxes and your Everett's. Like, you're like, well, I hope that they can perform. Jordan Atkins, another guy I looked at. Um, Adam Trout Troutman, pretty good value, right? Um, I just think that week one, I know that Cook's going to be involved in that offense somewhat. So maybe it was a little sellout on my point to say he's my, my value play. 
No, I, I have no problem with that. I mean, he's a veteran tight end in a situation where targets has been opened up, yep. particularly in the middle of the field. And, and it's, we're not like we're talking against <clears throat> the Chargers being a weak offense. No, but they are facing a pretty good defense in Washington. True. So true. That that kind of like hazed a little bit on that. Again, I, I I'm not investing a lot in that game. I like that game to be a fairly low scoring game. So here's the thing: four for fifty-five, four for sixty. Can see that, right? That, that's ten points pretty easily for Cook. Yeah. Right. So you're getting three times value. It's in the end yep. zone. You're easy. It's it's payday. So I mean, that's just what I liked about him. I just thought that he was a lot safer than some of those other dart throws. That's all. I, I will say this: I, I like him better on DraftKings, where he's 3,800 versus in FanDuel, where he's 5,200. Yeah. Uh, and that's just something you'll notice uh, when you look at the pricing on the two sites and, and kind of compare the two. Uh, DraftKings median pricing for tight ends is always going to be about $1,000 to $1,200 lower than the FanDuel median pricing. So when you're saying your lineup's on FanDuel, it's harder to consider these guys' values when their price is only, say, seven or 800 different from the top-end guys like your Robert Tunyons uh, yeah. and players in that like, second tier, Logan Thomas. Whereas when you compare, say, a... Uh, Thomas at 4,600 on DraftKings with Cook. That That's a nearly $1,000 savings there. Yeah. One of my favorite tight ends of the week, of course, isn't available because he's in the prime time game. Love Tyler Higby this week. Just wanted to get that. Yeah, down. we talked about that a little bit with the uh, prime time slate. Uh, be very interesting to see because you're going to have Higby, you're going to have Waller both available to play in that slate, which is really, really nice. You get two premium tight ends facing off. Plus, you've got the two week one dynamos in in Sammy Watkins and Deshaun Jackson potentially going out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we get a push in week one. Not bad, right? Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, you know, it's better than not having anything to, to measure against for week one. At least it's real football now and real DFS. Um, good week. Anything you want to add before I do our whole sign off thing? No, but just think about this. Uh, we're recording this now on Monday night, and we're, we're less than four nights from football. Yeah, we sure are. Um, we, ma- we made it. We did. We made it. Although, look, COVID protocols are different this year, so let's not get too happy. Don't celebrate in advance because there's no t- – I really think that we're still going to have a team that's going to wind up having to forfeit or wind up with no quarterbacks. It's going to happen. Tom, Tom Brady said that he was scared that's going to be even worse this year. So, yep, I, I really I agree. Um, I wasn't sure that we'd get through last year. We did. Um, this year, the protocols are different. The vaccine status stuff is different. We'll see. Um, it's going to put a whole kink probably into the waiver process and leagues needing to add first come first serve or something like that. So, but we'll talk about that another time. Until then, follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And if you haven't, you need to go sign up for the huddle.com. The stuff that we have there from a weekly standpoint is just absolutely great. We'll help you to not tinker. Right. And when you have to tinker, you can. Um, But look, as always, I want you to make sure that you have fun first and foremost. Okay. Week one's here and you know what? Raise a glass. Get blitz responsible. Cheers. Cheers.